Another Way to Play, episode 40. Yo, what's up, everybody? This is Zachary Babcock here, host of the Underdog Empowerment Podcast. And if you want to make your next chapter better than the last, then you definitely, definitely need to be listening to Another Way to Play with my man, Hans Struzina. Welcome to Another Way to Play, your wake-up call to finally make a difference by creating a life defined by freedom. This is about entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and industry professionals that have left the 9-to-5 rat race behind by taking that personal leap from where they were to where they want to be. It's time to stop going through the motions, stop hitting the snooze button on your life, and get the insight and inspiration to make the next chapter of your life better than your last. This is Another Way to Play with your host, Hans Struzina. This is Another Way to Play. I am your host, Hans Struzina, and I believe that if you trade hours for dollars, you will never achieve true freedom in your life. Today's guest is someone I'm really excited to bring on. It's none other than Zachary Babcock. Uh, For those of you who don't know, Zachary is someone who spent over five years in prison uh, and turned his life around and is now rubbing elbows with multimillionaires every day. Uh, He helps entrepreneurs launch, grow, and monetize top-shelf passive income businesses and their personal brands. He interviews celebrities and industry leaders and on his top-rated Apple podcast, Underdog Empowerment, which you should absolutely go check out after this episode, and has a broad perspective of both extremes of life. Yeah, and as you can imagine, uh, he brings a really interesting perspective uh, to the conversation, one that you may not have heard on this podcast before. So you're going to want to listen up for a couple things. Uh, one specifically, he talks about when you're going up against something that you fear, uh, instead of shying away from it, uh, finding something that you fear more, because generally speaking, there's always something, whether it's future regret or uh, you know something in your life that you would fear more than whatever it is that you're looking at right now. He also talks about what you can do right now in this moment uh, to create happiness. He, talks, he tells a story of when he was in solitary confinement in prison. He had never read a self-help book, uh, but started asking himself questions. And he says most people ask themselves the wrong questions in those moments, Um, whereas he asked, uh, what can I do to create happiness? And you want to listen up for that story because it's pretty powerful. Uh, But he ended up creating this routine for two months uh, while he was in uh, solitary confinement of cleaning his cell, working out, uh, kind of being OCD with his stuff. And it really helped him morph and change his perspective of the situation. And lastly, he gives a really great practical piece of advice about someone who's trying to create a personal brand. Uh, He says, uh, rather than trying to be someone that you're not uh, and create some avatar and, and all that sort of stuff that is sort of common advice out there. Uh, You want to think about where you were at uh, between yesterday and the time that you started your journey. And then tailor content, tailor your offerings, tailor whatever it is that you're bringing to the world to that version of you, because that is authentic, that is real, and that's something that people will resonate with. Uh, So as you can imagine, this is a great conversation. I'm really looking forward to diving in to it with you guys. But before we get there, uh, just remember that I'd like to have a personal one-on-one conversation with you. Uh, So if you go down into the show notes, uh, you'll find my Calendly link. Uh, You can go book a call with me for 20 minutes. Uh, 
get to know each other. Let's talk about the podcast. Uh, let's talk about life. There's anything that you're interested in, um, anything you think I can help you with, or just something you're wanting to give me some feedback. That's what I would really hope to hear from you. So I can continue to make this podcast better and better. Uh, so really appreciate that. And without any further ado, uh, we're going to go ahead and bring in Zachary Babcock. Zachary, appreciate you being on the show, man. It's a real honor to have you on today. What's up, Hans? I appreciate you having me on, dude. It's, uh, I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, well, I've been real excited to get you on for some time. been following your stuff, so uh, really excited to get into your story and share it with the audience. So before we get into what you're doing now, why don't you build us a little bit of context and kind of give us a, give us a snapshot of where you're coming from and uh, where your journey began? Yeah, no doubt, dude. Um, you know, we all got long stories because we lived long lives, I guess you'd say. But uh, yeah, dude, I, to, I'm going to brush through like the first part um, and we can always dive into more. But dude, I did over five years of my life in prison. Uh, for being a knucklehead growing up, not having any sense of uh, purpose or direction or any driving, driving force in my life. And I found that um, when I woke up heading back to prison uh, just 20 days before my twin sons were born, and uh, that was it for me, Hans. I was like, dude, I I'm done. I I'm going to take complete ownership of my life from this point moving forward. And ever since that moment, you know, I didn't know how long I was going to prison for, but I, I started moving in a completely different direction. And I ended up doing eight months that time, got home, got off into network marketing at first. I didn't even know what the hell that was at, at first. So you couldn't scare me off the word pyramid scheme. Yep. <laughs> but it was, uh, it was cool though. Cause I, I built up almost a $2,000 residual, uh, income within my first six months, uh, which wasn't like crazy, but for a guy coming out of prison, uh, that couldn't find a job anywhere, it was like, you know, it was a game changer, but more importantly, it showed me that I had, uh, my past didn't define me that I could create a life by design. Uh, but long story short, that wasn't my thing, dude. And um, I moved on. Um, and then I struggled for a few more years. And then I launched the podcast. Uh, because anytime I tried to collaborate with any uh, entrepreneur, nobody took me seriously. I was just that ex-convict turned entrepreneur afterthought that nobody gave the time of day to. Dude, I was, I was pissed, man. Out of that frustration, out of that pain, I decided to launch uh, Underdog Empowerment. Uh, we got it ranked on the third day. Uh, the next week, we interviewed Billy Gina's marketing. It's just been a snowball effect ever since. And then uh, after about another 10 months or so, I finally broke through of being able to generate income online and I was able to build a six-figure business in the last eight months as a result. So things are looking up now. We got through the really, really hard part of entrepreneurship, I would say. There's always yeah. going to be more tests and stuff that come, but yeah, I'm pretty excited about where things are going now. Man, well, that is a couple of minutes on a, on a hell of a story. So <laughs> let's dig in on that. So I, I mean, a lot of people who are listening to this show are folks who are feeling stuck. You know, they're, they're people who are in that nine to five life. Um, and, you know, I have not had anyone on the show yet that is at least admitted to going to prison and who knows who, who has and hasn't, but like talk about being stuck, you know, and, and not only that, but like when you get out, you have this title on you and then you like, you know, people want to make excuses as to why they can or can't do something. Uh, but you, you had one of the biggest excuses probably in this country. Like, how did you go about actually overcoming that and using that? clearly to your advantage now instead of having it be a ball and chain holding you back yeah man uh, I'm gonna give the real answer it's probably not the most sexiest answer but it's you know as I, I like to keep it real man the victim mentality is gonna keep you in a in a bad place man you'll you don't have any power or any freedom and whenever you blame so 
what, what changed the game for me was saying everything wrong in my life is my fault and everything right in my life is my fault. And when you could take that complete ownership of it, uh, that gives you power. So let's, let's break it down, man. There could be things that happen to you that you literally have no control over. Like a, a tornado could come through, wreck your house, kill your family. God forbid that happens, but that could happen. Mm-hmm. And you don't, you don't have any control over that. However, you, you could decide to be miserable about it afterwards and, and, and kill yourself or go out and kill other people or just live a life of misery, whatever. Or you could decide to go out and do some amazing things and empower other people. Whatever the case may be, it's your decision on how you respond to it. And so if you don't, if you give yourself the power to say, I have control on how I respond to anything that happens to me, it's my choice and my power. You give yourself the power and you could, you move from a place of power in that point. I like that you said that, you know, things can happen that are out of your control. Cause I think most people's first reaction when you say something like you, everything that's right or wrong is your fault or your choice. Um, and then like, what if you get cancer? What if a tornado hits? What if something unforeseen happens? But you're talking about more like how you choose to respond to whatever happens as opposed to what actually happens. Yeah. I mean, cause you could be like, Oh, this tornado came. I can't do anything because it wrecked my house and now I'm, I'm forever enslaved to it. No, the tornado came it's just another test, another uh, opportunity for growth. And now you can, you can learn from that and you can use that. It's your decision on how you respond to it. Totally. And you said the, it was the second time that you, you went back to prison is, is really when it happened to you. Why, why do you think it took you the second time? Were you just not ready for it the first time to like, to step up and, and take that next step and, and take ownership or, or was there something else? Like what, tell us about that. Yeah, dude. Um, so uh, to give you a little bit more context, you know, I did over four years the first time and there was a lot of, man, some really valuable lessons that I learned. I wouldn't take back none of it because there was a lot of dark times that I went through in that four years. Um, but I got out and I was 23 when I got out at the time. And I went in when I was 19 and I, it was just still, still young and um, I wasn't taking ownership of everything yet. So I was working at a bar and grill as a cook uh, under the table because it's hard to get a job as a convicted felon was doing great. And then I got a job at this clothing store because I shopped there all the time. And I got promoted my third day in because I sold 3000, the whole store did 9000. And I did that in six hours. And, and so I was like, yes, you know, I'm putting behind my past I'm moving forward. Mm-hmm. I'm getting this promotion mm-hmm. and I uh, put in my two weeks at the bar and grill. And then two days later, they fired me because I was a convicted felon. They found out about it. Mm-hmm. And instead of responding the right way at that point, I chose to throw a pity party. Oh, I'm never going to be able to advance in life and became an alcoholic. And I went back to prison. That was just 20 days before my son's born. So that was like the pervert. There was a lot of events that happened to that point, but that was like the proverbial straw that broke the camel's back and it snapped mm-hmm. me back into uh, snap my focus on the right things. And it's, it's interesting that that, I'm, I'm guessing because you've been to prison, you probably know a lot of people who have a lot of crazy stories um, that that's the thing that snapped you out. Like, why, why do you think that there's so many people who live in that institution of whether it's prison or just like a nine to five drudgery, you know, whatever it is, like, why, why do you think that some people snap out and realize this and others don't? I think it's, I think you got to hit a certain pain threshold and other people's pain threshold are, are, are different. And for me, that missing out on my twin son's birth, you know, I grew up without a father and I wanted to be the father that I didn't have growing up. And so yep. I woke up and I was like, man, like if I keep on living this way, 
I'm going to continue to miss out on their life. I'm going to be in and out of prison my whole life or in there for my whole life or end up dead, whatever. And that thought was so painful to me that I was like, I'm, I'm done. I made a resolve. I was like, I'm, I'm moving in a new direction. I'm not going to take it. I'm making a complete commitment to be in my kid's life and uh, to be happy and successful, even though I didn't know what the hell happy and successful looked like at the time. Right. I just had reasons why I had to do it. And, and I think digging in on that, on that why is, is super crucial. Cause if I can't remember who I was listening to a couple of weeks ago, but they were saying something about like, you can have your likes and then your passions and you can't, you know, you, if you're holding on to one, you can't have the other. So people like to watch Netflix and they like to, you know, go out on Friday nights, but then they have to give those things up to go after their passions or the things they love or like some of these really incredible things. And, you know, if you're not willing to let go of, of the partying or let go of, you know, the, the monotony of your day and step out into something that's uncomfortable and new, you know, how are you ever going to, to make a positive impact in your life? And it sounds like that was the trigger for you is it was the birth of your kids. Yeah, man, exactly, dude. It's like, I just interviewed coach Michael Burt yesterday. It was like, he said it differently than how I would say it, but it's like, it's so true. It's something that I've experienced in my own life. It's like, you got to take whatever it is that you're afraid of and find something that you're even more afraid of. So he gave the, mm. he, he gave an example. He's like, he was talking to Michael Irvin, the Dallas Cowboys wide receiver. And he said that uh, he would, he, 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 he was scared to death. He's like, everybody hailed uh, Michael Irvin as like this fearless wide receiver and stuff. But he said, I was scared to death of getting hit by Ronnie Lott, the San Francisco mm. uh, 49er uh, safety. And he's like, man, he was a bruiser. Like, he's like, I was scared to death to go over across the middle of the field and get, get knocked out by him. He said, but my fear of going back to where I came from, uh, of, of how I grew up and, and that lifestyle was greater than my fear of getting hit by Ronnie Lott. And so mm. I went out and made that happen. So it's kind of like, man, the way I like to look at it, dude, a good exercise is, okay, your fear of putting yourself out, let's just use a hypothetical situation. Sure. You might be at the nine to five right now and you're afraid of putting yourself out there uh, to the world that you're becoming an entrepreneur and that you're going to start putting out content or whatever because you're afraid of how your friends or family, they might make fun of you at the beginning, which they probably will. Uh, cause mine did, but seriously, yeah. But think about this though. Ask yourself fast forward to when you're 65, 70 or whatnot, or, or even like 90 some or at the end of your days and, and, and ask yourself, can you live with yourself knowing that you didn't do what you knew in your heart, what you truly wanted to do and what you were capable of doing if you would have just went out and put yourself out there and, and went through the process and developed the skills to get there. How, how, how would you feel? And for me, dude, if I'm cool at the end of my life, if I knew that I put it all on the line and gave it everything that I got and I still didn't achieve my goal, I'm, I'm cool with that as long as I know that I gave everything. But I could not be cool if I got to the end of my life knowing that I didn't give it everything that I got, that I, that I re had these regrets of, man, what could have been if I had just done it? And for me, that's enough to get the ball moving forward. And I feel like that's a really powerful way to look at things. Dude, that's, that's incredible. I, I, as you were just talking, I was reflecting on my rowing career. Cause I think I told you I was a rower and in the Olympics and, you know, did some cool stuff in that sport. But there was a time when, when we were training real hard and in 2014, we, we go to the trials to, to try and make the team. 
and we just flopped and it was bad. And it was like just a, a massive underperformance, total failure, like every which way you want to call it, it was, it was bad. And I seriously thought about retiring at that moment. Cause I'm like, man, this is hard. I'm making no money. I'm like training twice a day, like working real hard, eating all this food and barely making it. Um, and we didn't even make the team. But then I thought forward, like if I'm 40 years old and I'm beyond my peak and my, beyond my capacity to, to train and to do this thing, uh, you know, can I be cool with what I've put in and what I've gotten out of it? And the answer was immediately no. And that took me back to a place of like, dive back in and get it. And next year, and then the year after is when I made the Olympics and, you know, made the national team and all that kind of stuff. And I, compl I give that advice to people all the time is think about yourself. If you are happy with what you've put in up into this point, you're and you can really say that this is my very best and I'm really satisfied with all this, then great. Maybe it's time to move on. But if not, you know, you got to, you got to dig in a little deeper and, and find something to get out of it. Amen, bro. That's a really cool story too. Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, cause, cause as an athlete is, is anyone who's done sports in any capacity knows like you have a shelf life. It doesn't matter who you are. Like there are freaks in nature out there who can play like Tom for Brady. 20 years. Yeah. Right. Like who's, <laughs> I guess, a you know, cry, uh, you know, is a frozen in time body and he takes really good care of himself and works really hard at it clearly, but you know, we all have a shelf life. Like we can't play forever. Uh, yep. so, you know, you have that built in, whereas in business, you know, you've got a long runway. You could, I mean, until you're dead, you could, you could be doing something in business or having a great family life or whatever, but you know, finding that regret point I think is, is incredibly, incredibly important. And that sort of segues me into something that I've heard you talk about a bunch, which is using your darkness, using a dark side of you in a positive way. Like, can you, can you talk about what that means to you and, and in the context, especially of entrepreneurship and kind of pushing yourself out there in the world of content yeah. creation and online and all that fun stuff that we're doing? Absolutely, dude. I'm so glad you asked that question because it's, all right, look, man, I'm all about do like my whole entire my podcast, my business, my life is all based around helping other people. It's also based around helping myself first and foremost, because you got to, sure. you got to fill up your cup before you can fill up any other cup, period. Um, so I get sick and want to throw up in my mouth when you see these fake entrepreneurs like, oh, I'm so selfless. Everything I do is not about me. It's about like, dude, no, that's retarded. Like you should be about other people. But let me explain this. So society is, is they place these standards that we're all secretly failing to meet. And rightfully so, they should have these standards because a society that would allow rape and murder and all these horrible things would not be a good society to live in. However, there's no such thing as the ideal human being. We all have flaws. We all have dark thoughts, emotions, and desires, period. That you, there's plenty of times Maybe it might happen once a day. I don't know. But there's times in your life where you literally think like, man, I just want to punch this person dead in the throat because you, know, you just get, mm -hmm, you, mm -hmm. you get, you get upset or you like, and, and, and it's impossible not to have these dark thoughts, emotions, and desires because you're a human being. It's completely natural. You can't just be happy and positive all the time because there's days, dude, where I'm just pissed off and I just, man, I'm like, ugh. Now, the key here, though, is like everybody, the way we're taught is to suppress the, these dark thoughts and emotions and desires and act like that they're not there. And the people that do that are the people that you really got to watch out for in the long run versus the people that are open about it because it's so depressing. It's like this monster that's waiting to take over. And they're the ones that usually do the most dark and deceive, deceiving things 
known, known to man, you know? So whenever, and if you look at it, anybody says like, well, I'm not like that. Well, look, dude, it happens on a micro level and macro level every single day. People cut off people in traffic to get to where they need to go. People step on people all the time to get to what they want. They, people buy for positions in checkout lanes. Uh, it happens on a macro level. Countries wage war against other countries to get what they want. They step on other people. So it happens, man. It's part of human nature. But the key here, dude, is to incorporate these dark thoughts and emotions and desires with the rest of the persona so that you can actually prevent them from actually actualizing yourself. And you can channel that anger and aggression to do good things. Like you, you're in sports, bro. I, I bet yep. when you went out and competed, you went into that dark side and use that to come together as a camaraderie with your, with your teammates mm -hmm. in order to, to win the championship. I know Absolutely. I sure do. Dude, I do it in business all the time. I did it every time I step on that football field when I played when I was younger. Dude, I went into a, a dark place where we're trying to we're trying to maul the opponent, but we're mm -hmm. doing it. We're coming together. I just feel like, man, the more real and open you are about it, that's that's human, and people can respect that. But for me, I'm sorry for the long-winded answer, but for me, dude, anybody that pretends to be positive all the time, I don't fucking trust them. Right on. Uh, you said something earlier about like fill your cup up first because you can't you can't fill from an empty cup. And I think that that's a really interesting point and something that I've heard you talk about before, because you're right. If you don't if you're not making any money, if you're not having any traction in your in your deal, whatever that is, you know, you're not going to get you're not going to be able to help other people. You're not going to learn. You're not going to grow. You're not going to have any resources to invest in yourself or other people. But you but there is this. Um, stigma around sort of selfishness, I suppose, or greed or, you know, trying to go after money or success or fame or whatever that I think a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of people in general want to shy away from and they don't want to talk about. What, how does that for you, how does that manifest like filling your cup up first? Like, can you give us an example in your life and in your business and the way that you sort of approach your day or your week or your strategy in general? Yeah, dude. Like, like you just mentioned, dude, if you have an empty cup and you're trying to uh, fill up another cup, there's nothing there to give. People like, I can't say people like, oh, money's the root of all evil. No, it, it doesn't even say that in the Bible. And I'm not even a religious person. I'm spiritual, but it doesn't even say it, it says the love of money is the root of all evil. It doesn't say the, say money is the root of all evil. You can do so much more. If, if your thing is all about, I want to make a huge impact in the world and leave it a better place, which is great and awesome. And you should have uh, aspirations like that. Well, guess what? You could do a lot more goodness and greatness with more money than you can being broke. You got more yep. money, you can make more impact flat out. There's no, there's no argument there to be had. And so why not go out and, and make as much as you possibly can to make the biggest impact to give you some context, dude, I'm going to make this really short and sweep it. My mission, dude, people coming out of prison, it, it's really rough going. You got the X on your record. You can't get a job anywhere. And then you got to go through all these stupid programs that aren't even helpful. I went through these programs myself and it's just a complete waste of time. And it's taking you away from the time that you can try to go out and provide for your family. And the recidivism rate in the U.S. is higher than anywhere else in the, in the world. And the system is completely broken. It's like it's built on making money, whatever. And so- mm -hmm. My thing is, dude, is we give jobs to people coming out of prison, not all, but the ones that are ready to turn their life around, like, like, like myself, whatever, we give them a job and they get to work in this cool environment and they get money to actually provide for the family. And they have to read certain books and work on their character and, um, and, and, and their personal development. And they go through certain programs. And then for the guys 
that are cut out to be entrepreneurs, boom, they could fly out the nest and go do their own thing. They won't need us for long. For the ones that aren't, for the guys and gals that aren't, because not everybody's cut out to be an entrepreneur, they can continue to work for us and get a pay raise and be able to provide for their family and be happy with what they're doing. And so the goal here is to have a 9% recidivism rate nationwide in the U.S., which is a crazy, mm. crazy goal if you look at the recidivism rates across the country. But that's our goal, and we're sticking to it. So that's what drives me, and that's my impact that I want to make. In order for me to make that happen, I need to make as much money as humanly possible and fuel this machine and get out there and spread my message and market it as, as hard as I possibly can. So I got to fill up my cup first before I can fill up those other cups. That's awesome, man. You know, you're, you're, you're totally right on. And I, I love that there's a big goal at the end of that that isn't like a car or a watch or whatever, because I think a lot of people can kind of get behind something like that. Um, but I, you know, I, I follow Andy Frisella's stuff as well. And I, gosh, months ago, he, he talked about how the Lamborghini picture on his wall, I think it was the Lamborghini, um, basically built first form, which is, you know, employing hundreds of people and helping tons of their customers change their lives through fitness and supplements and stuff. And how even sort of that physical intrinsic object of a Lamborghini can really be good for the world because he is, I mean, arguably done a ton in the world of fitness and, and uh, health to help people be the best version of themselves. And then obviously done very well for himself as a result. I just, I literally just right before this interview, that's where I was coming from was supplement superstores. I'm here in St. Louis and read up on all my first form or whatnot. <laughs> Andy's a good Hell yeah. <laughs> right on. Well, a couple of questions for you just to kind of change gears here. Now that you're, you're rocking and rolling with underdog empowerment, um, what are some of the things that you do on a daily basis to kind of push out of your comfort zone and make sure that you're continuing to grow so that you guys can get to that uh, 9% recidivism rate nationally that you're, you're trying to achieve? My main thing lately, and it's probably a little crazy, but like I've been, I take care of the business expenses, but all the profit I've been reinvesting into masterminds, consultants, and uh, even partners. To give an example, Lee Collins, uh, I interviewed him on my show not too long ago. Uh, he's a systems and operations genius. And I've tried to build the systems and operations for our agency, got it to where it's functional, but it, it, dude, it, I'm, I'm a visionary. I'm not an integrator or a systems operations guy. And I'm not going to be naive and try to do everything in my business. And so I, teaming up with Lee and, and he's developing our systems and operations and going to be the integrator so that I could just run with the visionary mm -hmm. stuff. And that's going to open us up for explosive growth. Hopefully, you know, a bit, uh, that like right there, it's getting out of the comfort zone of being, being able to not just try and like, I do I like I, 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 so many people say I'm so impact driven, but I really am like, I, I want to make mm -hmm. some noise and, and, and hit that 9% recidivism rate or lower. Cause that's like a legacy that I could leave behind. And that's mm -hmm. driven. And, 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 and those words are thrown out so much, but my mom, dude, when I was in prison in 2010, two years into my four years, say the first time my sister died of a heroin overdose my mom had to break into the bathroom and found her dead uh, with a screwdriver and found her dead on the floor with a uh, needle in her arm. And I was in the hole, which is the prison side of the prison at the time. And it was just a really dark time. And from that moment, my mom uh, created this organization called Ferguson Youth Initiative. We're from Ferguson, Missouri, where 
it empowers the youth in the in the community to take on like a leadership role and they had these things where these kids that are 15 and 16 getting traffic tickets and having to pay $200 that don't have jobs and can't afford it and they end up getting in more trouble they offer this program where they do some community service and the work in the in the community and now the community looks better the kid doesn't have to pay his money and they're learning the lesson and all this stuff mm. and so long story short, she started that in 2010, right after my sister died. She died. My mom died in 2015, right after I got out of prison. And that that Ferguson Youth Initiative is still going strong to this day. So she left wow. on a legacy that continues to impact people in the world long after her death. So that's stuff that kind of fuels me and drives me. One of the things that I've thought about, and, and this sort of circles back onto the dark side and like using that, like out of that terrible tragedy, came this like very cool Ferguson Youth Initiative in this case, you know, and I've, I've watched a lot of documentaries and like followed other successful people. And I find that often, you know, out of some negative or some, some tragedy often will come some of the most empowering and beautiful things that, you know, are in this world today. And that, that could just be something as simple as, you know, someone got made fun of when they were on the playground and then held onto that and turned that into fuel, you know, in this, in my case, to make, to make it to the Olympics. And then, you know, in, then I'm now mentoring young, young rowers to sort of go along their journey and, and do that, do whatever that path is for them. And then in your case, a, a tragedy of you going into prison or your sister passing away from an overdose, like, turning in turning those things into these amazing beacons of light if you want to use that example in the world now for people who have gone through something whether it's you know well i guess everything is big to the person who it's happening to but um how would you recommend someone who who is facing some kind of a tragedy or a darkness or a negative in their life um go through that process and turn that into uh something positive for themselves in their life yeah man so um, you know, it's a lot of times when people will answer this question, the person that's going through it's like, well, it's easy for them to say or whatever, cause, yeah. or whatever, but just look at it like this, man. It's hard to remain optimistic when it feels like the world's crumbling around you, when it feels like there's no light at the end of the tunnel. And trust me, I know how that feels but to go back to that example. When my sister died, I'm in the hole eight by 10 cell. You can walk three steps one way, three steps the next. It's cold, dark, depressing, lonely, very little to no human interaction at all. I'm down in there for, for two months at the time. I'm only two weeks into this day when I find out that my sister's dead. I'm not going to be able to be there for the funeral. My mom's in agony, mourning her loss. I'm mourning her loss. All I could think about in the cell is all the mean things I ever said and did to my sister, the goodbye I never get to tell her, like going crazy. I did that for three days after I found out. Didn't eat anything only got out of my bunk to use the restroom and that's it dude and I'm crying the whole time and on that third day though dude I woke up and I'm like I asked myself I said I don't know what the what the reason why I'm still living why I'm what I'm here what my purpose is for you know I'm 21 years old I'm in prison I don't know when I'm getting out and I'm in a hole right now for two months but there's got to be a reason what can I do right now to find happiness and peace dude at the time I didn't know what I was doing. I never read any self-help books at this time in my life. It's 2010. But asking that question got me to focus on what I could do right now to find happiness and peace. And I later, and the result of that, I created this crazy routine. Like there's no way I'm getting out of that cell. I'm trapped in there. I put myself in there. But I created this crazy routine. Like if you think OCD is crazy, it doesn't have anything on what I was doing. <laughs> like it was, it was, it was off the chain. But 
you know, I'm sitting there cleaning my cell at the same time every day, like scrubbing the walls, toilet, sink, floor, all that stuff, working out at the same time every day, placing the toothpaste on, on the sink at the same spot after I wipe it down mm-hmm. a million times. Crazy, right? But I found this routine that I did and every single day, like literally minute by minute, I was doing the same thing. And I found a peace of mind in a really, really dark time by asking myself that question, get myself to focus on those things. So fast forward to 2017, when I read the book, Awaken the Giant Within by Tony Robbins, mm-hmm. he literally talks about it in that book. And that's when I knew, because so many people are like, oh, Tony Robbins is a scam. He's just all about the money. Side note, no, he's not, dude. He makes way more money in all his other businesses, real estate and investing and all that stuff. Like his yep. personal development is just a tiny little drop in the bucket. He does that out of, because he's real and he wants to make an impact. But uh, back to what I was talking about though, in that book, question, when, you, when you hear a question, whether you're asking yourself or somebody else is asking, whatever, your brain immediately starts searching for the answer. So if I'm just say, dude, what's the color of your shoes? you, me, and everybody listening to this podcast are starting to think, well, what color are his shoes? And so in those cases, when you're, when it feels like there's no light at the end of the tunnel and the world's crumbling around you, we tend to ask ourselves the wrong questions. We'll say like, well, why is this always going to happen to me and all that stuff? And that's the wrong question because then you're focusing on the wrong answer. If you were to ask yourself, well, what's the next best thing that I can do to make this situation better? What's, what's the next thing that I can do to bring me one step closer to that goal? You know, things like that that are empowering you that gets you to focus on the right answers that will bring you to the place if you ask that with intensity. And that was, that's the, my long-winded answer to that question, my bad. Dude, no, thank you. That, that is freaking awesome. That's worth the price of admission right there. <laughs> Unbelievable. And yeah, totally side note, I've been to Tony Robbins event. There's no way that that is like super profitable for him. And you look at the how much goes into that event and then, you know, just the amount that he puts into it versus probably what he gets out. Like, yeah, you're totally right on. Cause it, anyways, we could go on a tangent about, you know, self-help and all that stuff. But, um, but yeah, I'm with you on the, on the Tony Robbins thing and on this answer. That was fantastic. Obviously you've, you've had a, a crazy life up into this point. You've, you've then sort of clawed out of that, that world and then built this underdog empowerment when you were building your brand in the beginning, can you talk about a failure that you experienced and then what you learned from it and why you're glad you had it? Yeah, dude. So since you uh, brought up the building the brand, I'll talk about that. When I left network marketing, I started building my brand and I didn't know anything about business, anything about personal branding. I didn't know anything about nothing. Like I'm just, all I knew was my network marketing experience and a little bit of sales skills and that's it. Well, I initially started building my brand on YouTube and my channel was called Win With Zach, and that was my brand. And it flopped, and it was so cheap. Win With Zach, like, that's cheesy. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, it, it, think about it, though. It was, it was Win With Zach. Like, that's not something that – it's not a movement that people can get behind, and it was about me. And then – so I learned from that. And then when I launched Underdog Empowerment, everything about this brand was strategic, from the name to the color scheme all that like underdog. It's a, it's a person that's a competitor who many have not thought to win. Uh, that's, that's hungry for it or whatnot. Uh, empowerment, given empowerment to a set group of people. And then the color schemes, red, white, and black. If you Google psychology colors, that's what I did. You'll see what red means kind of aggressive, like, you know, uh, going after it. I'm not going to get all into to finer details, but every single little piece of it, underdog empowerment is like a movement 
that a group of people, and I'm not talking about demographics, I'm talking about psychographics, like a set group of people that feel like, man, you know, I got this, this, this grandiose vision, uh, but all the odds stacked against me, you know, I might, it don't matter if you're broke, just starting out or if you're, you're killing it. You know, Elon Musk, he's an underdog because he's a billionaire underdog. He's trying to get us to Mars. <laughs> the odds mm-hmm. of that happening yeah. crazy, right? But you, you don't, ma- none of that matters because you're an alpha entrepreneur. You're committed to leveling up, to winning, doing whatever it takes uh, to win and getting that respect that you crave. You know, I've created a, a brand that people that can identify, a specific person can identify with. So that, that would be the takeaway is not to make your brand about you, but make it about a movement that everybody can get behind a specific set of people that can get behind. And since we're talking about branding and making those specific choices, like, you know, you've talked just for the last minute or so about like making specific, you know, color choices and wording choices uh, going towards a certain type of person. What you didn't say was that I was trying to, you know, be something for everybody, be the vanilla guy who like got bazillion YouTube followers and like tried to tried to be something for everybody. You you have a very specific niche of people who will follow you and will think it's cool. And by definition, you'll have people who think it sucks and and dislike it a lot. So it sounds like for you, it's, it's more of a, you know, success with Zach or excuse me, win with Zach, more of the like big picture, like let's get, um, you know, let's try and be something for everybody. And, and now underdog is more pointed and specific. Yeah, exactly, dude. Uh, that was, I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs just starting out struggle with that. Like they want to be, well, I can make content for everybody or I can help anybody. And, and if your if your content's for everybody, if your message is for everybody, it's not going to resonate with anyone. Nobody's going to pick it up because it's a static and it's just like, it goes unknown because it's like, well, it's for anybody. It's nothing interesting, but if it's and targeted and here, here, here's another little quick tidbit, personal branding. If we're talking about personal branding with the keyword being personal here, you cannot make up some imaginary customer avatar and then try to be the ideal to serve that avatar. If that ideal does not match up with who you really are. So if you're going to be branding personal brand, I'm not talking about building a company brand because Walmart and McDonald's and Pepsi and Coca-Cola, the biggest brands in the world, they can make up a imaginary customer avatar and serve them because they're just a, a, a business, right? But personal branding, serve who you were yesterday and who you were starting out and anywhere in between. And that you'll win with personal branding every time because you don't have to fake it and you can just be who you really are. Killer advice, man. I appreciate that. We're getting to the end of the show and I want to respect your time here because I know you got to pop off shortly, but I have one question before we transition to the final round relative to talking back to your younger self. Like if you could take a sticky note and you could write whatever you wanted on it and pass it to yourself at like 18, 20, something like that when you're in prison, maybe right before, maybe right after, what would you say and what would you write on that sticky note? I would go back to when I first decided to, to, to turn my life around and get into entrepreneurship. And what I would tell myself is that there's no, no, no shortcuts. There's no skipping steps. There's no secret magical formula. You're going to win by developing high character and real tangible, valuable skills that the marketplace wants and needs. You're going to, it's going to take time and effort to develop these skills once again, there's no shortcuts, but the best way to streamline that process is to find someone that already has what you want, 
and become their student, whether you had to pay them money, whether you had to barter services, whether you had to connect them with someone in your network that would be a power play for them, whether you had to become their employee and do work for them, whatever it is that you got to do to be able to get direct dialogue and feedback, critical feedback from them, that's the, the only way to streamline the process. And to, to be a practitioner, man, put, practice your skills and get that critical feedback. Awesome, man. I appreciate that. Yeah. Mentorship and, and, and just being a person of character and oh man, great. If you, if you're listening to that, you're probably going to re- want to rewind like three, two, three minutes there and re-listen to that. Cause that was, that was awesome. Appreciate great. that. Thanks man. I could keep this conversation going cause I, I really enjoy talking to you. You're fountain of knowledge and you've got a really interesting perspective on life, but unfortunately we got to sort of wrap it up here. I'm going to take us into the focus five, which is the same five questions I ask every guest on every show. Definitely excited to hear what you have to say. Are you ready? Right on. Let's do it. All right. So uh, first question is what book uh, have you gifted most often? Ooh, man, it's a toss up between a man's search for meaning by Viktor Frankl that book is powerful. It's a transformational book. It's like you read that and you like look at things differently. Uh, That's more of a personal development side. Uh, If I was going to say the business side would be Breakthrough Advertising by Eugene Schwartz. Um, It was written in the 60s and it's timeless principles that will never, ever, ever change because it's written on human behavior. And it's it's like if you read that book and implement just 10% of it, you're going to increase your business for sure. Nice. Uh, and if you could get an hour of somebody's time, past or present, live or dead, and ask as many questions as you wanted, who would that be and why? So I actually got to do that. It was really cool. I got uh, an hour's worth of time from Robert Greene, um, the best-selling author of many psychology books. I tell everybody all the time, if I could be personally mentored by anybody in the world, it would be Robert Greene because his understanding of human nature is mind boggling. And I had the rare opportunity to get him on an interview on the show, which was incredible. And I'm definitely going to try and do that again. Hell yeah. When, when does that come out? So folks can listen in on that one. Any idea? Oh, it's out. It's uh, episode, oh, it's already out. Yep. It's uh, episode 150 on uh, underdog empowerment. I'm going to link to that in the show notes and then man. download it myself. 150. Gotcha. Uh, what is one thing that you believe that most people would disagree with you on? Being underprivileged is a privilege. That is, you have an advantage being underprivileged. Everybody talks like society, like, oh, white privilege or whatever the hell it is that you're talking about. Like, even if it's not even just the same people that have privilege and it, look at it this way, man, if you were spoon fed your whole entire life and you never had to fight through anything and everything was just given to you, you'll lose it within a second. You put me heads up with anybody that's been given everything to them their whole entire life. I'm going to beat them heads up every single time because I had to suffer through the pain and dark times. And I, and I'm not saying that from a arrogant standpoint, I'm just being real here, dude. If you, you are more close to reality when you're, when you're underprivileged, you're, 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 uh, you, you understand things, you're hungrier and, uh, you, you felt that pain. You had to fight through some stuff. And so you have a lot more tenacity and hunger and that that's just a firm belief that I have. Hell yeah. Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. Like how do you start your day? Dude, I need to get mine dialed back in. <laughs> I, I had a killer routine, but no matter what, though, before I start my day, uh, I'm always going to, before, before I start my business, I'm always going to read and I'm always going to meditate and I'm always going to work out before I even start my business because I got off of that for a while. But my ideal, when I, the killer routine that I had, I'd wake up at like five in the morning, 
get it before my kids or anybody wakes up and uh, get a cold shower in right out the gate. Boom, do my quick meditation. Boom, do some reading, go work out, and then take care of the most important task uh, of that day. And that would be my morning routine. You're obviously got a lot going on and you've got a lot of content out there in the world. Where is the best place that we can connect with you the most? Right on, man. Uh, definitely the podcast because that's what I'm super, super passionate about. Uh, you could check it out on literally pretty much any podcast platform that you like to listen to podcasts on. But to make it really simple for you guys, you can go to underdogempowerment.com and right there on the front page, you might have to scroll down just a little bit. I have a little button that says subscribe and you can subscribe to whichever platform, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, whichever one you prefer. Uh, hope to see you oh, guys yeah. over there. And uh, thanks for uh, having me on the show, bro. Absolutely. You're so welcome. And uh, yeah, I'll link to all that in the show notes. So all you got to do is scroll down, you'll find the links and there's Zachary and Underdog Empowerment. So bro, thank you so much for being on the show. Really appreciate your time and uh, look forward to watching you and all your success uh, here in the next uh, year and two and all of that. Dude, you demand, dude. I appreciate it. This has been a really killer interview. You're really good at this too. Appreciate it. Thank you. And that's a wrap for today's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I did. I know uh, that ever since I got Zachary booked, I've been really looking forward to this conversation. So I hope it delivered uh, in the way that I was hoping it did. If you want to connect with Zachary personally, I've got his podcast link and his website down in the show notes so you can go check him out over there. And I really recommend you do because he brings a lot of value on his show. Uh, So definitely go check that one out. While you're down there, you can also check out my Calendly link to book a 20-minute call with me so we can chat, get to know each other a little bit better, uh, learn uh, about each other, and figure out how to make this podcast even better than it already is because that is my goal and my mission here is to continue to provide great value to you guys as the listeners, which, by the way, thank you for being a listener. So without any further ado, I'm going to sign it off. So this is Hans Strazina, host of Another Way to Play, and remember to make every chapter better than the last. Thanks for joining in for this episode of Another Way to Play, making the next chapter of your life better than your last. For more insights and inspiration to help you make that personal leap, be sure to engage with Hans on social media and get your questions answered right here on the show. Reach out to Hans at Chief SNAH on Instagram, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Another Way to Play. Thank you.